You are listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And this episode is brought to you by a Scream and Drive Distro, an absurd exposition label, and Live Bait Recording Foundation. More on that a little later. But for today's episode, if you're a patron of the podcast, you have heard us gush over the Drone Records label and the first... Ah, Tara, you're going to have to pronounce it. My Tree? There we go. My Tree. Seven inch at length. I think we've done a a handful of drone records seven inches over there, which is run by Stefan Knapp from Mirror Tree. If you've checked the recent listening, you've seen this CD in both of our recent listenings, I think, in the past few months. And we are discussing the language of flames and sound. And this was an album that was recommended by a listener. And it was a project that Tara and I were pretty unfamiliar with. Now, Mayor Tree has been on our list of albums to cover since the very beginning, actually. Gray had originally recommended Multiple Personality Disorder on Corn Plastics, also a great album. But this one was just specifically recommended to us, and we just thought this would be a really cool album to cover. And and we were right. Well, then that listener was right <laughs> as well. That listener was great. very right. This is beyond up our alley. Yeah. But before we get into language of flame and sound, Gray, what have you been listening to? I'm glad you asked, Mike. Yeah. Today brought a small bounty of mail, one of which was the Alien Brains Menial Disorders 40th Anniversary CD on Clang Gallery. You will know it's the 40th Anniversary CD because it says so on the cover. And uh, this is a project that's, uh, again, related to the New Blockaders. Uh, I think... The Repentance Brothers and David Jackman were both involved in the project a little later on, but this first disc is solo recordings, and it is crude industrial guitar loop misery, or at least what sounds like guitar, and weird atmosphere. It starts off a little weird and and develops into something quite nice to listen to, clanging and gross. Uh, On Clang Gallery, uh, I also got the Corpses Catatonic Ouvre Complete CD, which I believe is their discography collection. Uh, threw it on for a couple seconds, but I already own that Corpse's Catatonic tape, so I thought I would save that one and listen to this Alien Brains thing where you have not been able to get this tape for a long time. I also got a great package from Robert Terman last week, and I listened to a CDR I did not know existed, the Stuck in My Head on his own actual label, and it's just more classic, like, evolving drones from Terman and I. I love that style. You know, I've been soaking in the Chapter 11 box set that Hanson and Helicopter reissued, and this is a nice counterpart to that, although I believe recorded in 2010. Uh, played the Amph Control LP on Verlautbarung. Uh, big Amp fan from sort of the uh, Jarteknet Utmarken Swedish school of music concrete crude tapes. Weird drones, clanging, breathing, uh, maybe some some string and organ drones, thumps, crackle, all that stuff. Uh, builds to a really nice climax on the A side, and the B side's kind of a mellow, slow burn. Uh, highly recommend that one as well. And I was arranging behind my stereo because I got my amplifier back from repair for the third time. Unfortunately, it's Congratulations. no, I wish it's still having the same issue. So it's Aww. going back again and I'm using my loner that uh, my friend Lee Landy lent me, which we just did a trash wear with him, which was fantastic. But while moving my stereo, I had to pull out all this stuff. And behind it, I found this CDR by Adrian Rue, Slot Machine Music, Field Recordings from Middle American Casinos on Ergot. Maybe best known for reissuing Aaron Dillaway Corpse on Horseback as an LP. But this is uh, exactly what it sounds like. It is covert field recordings in three Midwestern casinos. And it is fascinating and terrifying. 
And I am very happy knowing someday I will die by In the House of the Sleeping Beauties on Small Mercies, uh, one of the newest Small Mercies discs, and very much in the, like, drift ambient zone here. Cold, long-form drone works that uh, keep you engaged in their minimalism. So another uh, high recommendation for that one if you can still get it. Yeah, actually, Justin was cool enough to send Tara and I a package of some of his new releases and that being among them, but we have not gotten a chance to check them out. But on your recommendation, we will... Can't wait. Make it a priority. But also, we have been listening to some killer stuff this week. The new Moonbeam Terror, Corrosive Control. A fantastic tape. On deathbed tape. She's killing it. Noisy. It is dark. It is violent. It is intense. I love it. Yes. It is a really great addition to the Moonbeam Terror discography. Obviously, listeners know that we are big fans of Jilla, and this tape is no exception. Absolutely. Also, really got into the Christian Olsen album. Now, I I will just maybe say a couple words in the title. Adavara Darya. That's all I'm doing because there's no reason to do any more. This was the debut solo LP under the name Christian Olsen. Just under his own name, obviously of many incredible projects, but I really dig this one, Greg. Do you you know this one, right? I mean, I know you we've listened to Christian Olsen with you. Mm-hmm. Multiple times at your place. I'm not sure if I have that one, actually. He just set up a band camp for his uh, Stigels, I believe that's how you pronounce it, label. And I have been buying uh, too much. I've been grabbing everything that he's been putting up almost. And that's because it's all really nice quality, dark ambient, death industrial, post-mortem electronics. He really gets the sound and the atmosphere and the vibe. His collages showcase that. The art's always his style, but feels right. And I'm a big, big fan of his work. And have someone I've been in contact with for, I'm sure what you're going to say is that this disc rules, because I, I bet it does. That's, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, all, that's what rules. I got. That's, that's all, all I got. It's fantastic. And Listen it's been, to it. It's cool. It's been getting played a lot, as well as... A CD recently released on Chondritic that we just had not gotten around to yet, but it is the Allegory Chapel Limited Demimond Voices. Semi-world. I mean, look, Allegory is such a strange and unique project, and this CD is no exception. Now, we don't have the original tape on Gross, so this is our first experience listening to the tape. And, I mean, Elden, man... It, he's it's so uniquely him mm-hmm. and the everything about it from the flow to all the different things that appear and disappear fantastic cd eldon good job eldon good job gray facilitating good it. job gross and hey, always and good job gross i was gonna say it's really a pleasure to reissue something that was on gross and to do my damnedest to replicate that design and make it feel Make it feel proper, uh, a proper tribute, and also to update it for the CD realm. And, uh, you know, we we talked to Mason Jones a couple episodes ago, and Eldon, of course, was in trance from, uh, from an, at a very early period for a good while. And I am certain that we will have Eldon on for a discussion at some point soon. For sure. If you Great. if you can't wait for that time, of course, you can go back and listen to the Mersbau flare gun episode that we did with Eldon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's just been a lot of Mayor Tree leading up to this episode. Multiple personality disorder, Mayan, as well as emotional en- engram, which is their final album as Mayor Tree. Of course, they would go on to do Traum, but... I've always said just- Traum. Oh, you know what? Again, you're you obviously, as anyone knows, you do not look to me for pronunciation. So who I, knows what's right? I say Troom too. Uh, you and know I, what? And I didn't find any audio interviews. Going so. with both of you. And so we've just been really digging into the zone. But again, if you've you know heard some recent listening, heard some patrons, you know that we have been in this zone, especially over here in the Connolly household for a couple months now, and it's exciting to 
finally do an episode that we focus totally on my oratory. And I just want everybody to know that I did consult someone who is like a who speaks Latin uh, and has studied Latin for for a very long time about how to say my roar tree and what it means. And apparently there's just two different types of Latin. So pick how you want to say it and say it that way. It's not a spoken language anymore. It can mean anxiety three, but it's potentially not proper high Latin. So it can mean the mourning three or the grieving three as well. So again, in, in typical fashion of this group, it is kind of open to our interpretation and is open to, you know, how, how we want to feel about it. So I, I think that's great. Uh, the morning or grieving three or anxious three, I think all of those themes would fit well with their sound. And so it's fine with me if it has multiple interpretations, they all work for what they give us in the audio realm. Before we get to the album though, a quick word from our sponsors. Out now on Live Beat Recording Foundation, Dies Natalis and Victi Solis compilation. Twelve brand new and exclusive tracks for your winter rituals. Features Kleistwar, Nod, Ord, Contrastate, Murderous Vision featuring Crow Hill Gnostic Temple, Constructivist, Deutsch Nepal, Venomous, Dream Into Dust, Failing Lights, Brighter Death Now, Theologian, and Vomit Arsonist. Artwork by Gretchen Heinel and Lee Bartow and graphic design by Derek Rush. Also available are CDs by Murderous Vision, Abscission, Voided Landscapes, and The Ghost of the Soul Long Lost, Volume 3, and Liminal Presence Collaboration with Envenomist. Live Bait Recording Foundation, bringing you the finest in dark electronic music since 1996. Use code discount for 10% off. Scream and Rive Distro and Absurd Exposition Label, a Canadian-based source for experimental electronics, harsh noise, power electronics, and more. Hundreds of titles in stock on all formats, offering media mail shipping to the USA and affordable international shipping. Visit ScreamAndWrithe.com and use code NOISEXTRA to get 10% off during the month of February. Limit one use per customer. Language of flames and sound. Man, I'll tell you what. We had a candle going right in front of us on the table mm-hmm. while we were listening to this. And it was going right along. That flame was absolutely going along Wasn't with the sound. Wasn't it crazy? It, was, it looked yeah. like the flame was dancing to yes. the music. It really, it truly was flame language. Now this package is a it's special. It is a brain shaped package. This is on Old Europa, early Old Europa CD. I think it's Old Europa CD 08. That's correct. So an early. Yeah, and you know, so it is brain shaped. You open it up, and the CD is is held in with a bracket and a little. What, what is what do you call that? A brad Taylor? and a brad, a well, bracket what? and a brad, a, a, a washer and a brad. There you go. Yours has a washer. Well, one yeah. up, one up on mine. My, there you uh, go. But mine rusted, so it's got. <laughs> yeah, well, you got rust marks. Okay, yeah, there's yeah, a whole punch through it. Cool. And, uh, yeah. uh, this is numbered yeah. out of a thousand copies. What number you got? One hundred and two. We oh, we're 298. 298. Ah. So, yeah, just a really cool, weird, odd shape. CD and Maritree would do that again with the Mayan CD. Again, I don't know how, I don't know, I'm certainly pronouncing that wrong, but it's shaped like a triangle. We're just going to apologize now. Please forgive us. Apologies and, for And hopefully, all. mispronunciations, and hopefully everybody just understands what we mean. And then apo- and I think we all do it together. And apologies for every mispronunciation up to this point. So I'm apologizing for all my past mispronunciations. Well, can you extend that to the end of the episode? Because exactly. well, right. we so will do a lot that. of apologizing So I'm going to go ahead and say, and then, and then not only that, I'm going to say apologies for future mispronunciations. Oh, so I'm okay. Just, just blanket. Blanket apology. Perfect. I think they understand. Yeah. I didn't need a candle lit. Uh, although it sounds like a, a nice time. Mm-hmm. But... This is power for the right side of the brain. And so I decided to think about that a little bit. Largely because I'm left-handed and all my life I've heard that left-handed people are uh, more creative than right-handed people, more naturally creative, which has uh, sort of been proven to be a myth. It's only about 20% of people, I believe, whose uh, hemispheres operate differently differently. And are in uh, 
I think more in sync rather than being uh, left brain dominated. It just means they're operating more uh, symbiotically. Yeah, I, I did look it up because I know you're left handed and it does not mean that you have inverse lobes of your brain functionality if you are left handed. <laughs> right, right. It, it's uh, so this will still apply to you, Gray. Well, what do you mean? Well, so just because you're left handed doesn't mean that your left um, brain lobe doesn't control thinking and word sequencing, linear thinking, facts, logic. It still does control that they're not inverted. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't handle those things. It just means that possibly the left or the right side of the brain is mm -hmm. uh, more, more stimulated and more dominant, yeah. dominant. But that's not entirely true in a lot of the testing nope. they've done, I guess. And nope. Uh, they did some tests with ambidextrous people, and actually they showed that uh, there was some sort of less communication between the sides of the brain in ambidextrous people. Passing information back and forth was seemed a little more difficult. This is, of course, I'm not smart enough to do any of this research on my own. I'm just reading what other people have, studies other people have done. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was an interesting thing, just because you, you know, you. Being left-handed, of course, I, I heard this myth all my life, and obviously uh, I've chosen to spend most of my life doing uh, creative things, <laughs> but it, it has no bearing on my left-handedness because I have way too many right-handed friends that make better music than I do. Stefan Knapp does study it in earnest because he is a psychologist. I yeah, did see that. And, and Stefan Knapp running the, the Drone Records label and being one-third of... Mirror tree. Exactly. And he even said that in an interview, he said that I was fascinated with brain research when I started my studies. There was this wish inside of me to explore the deeper self and the unconscious. So in the end, my studies didn't really help me run a label or business, but it helped me find out what kind of music I like and why and maybe who I am. So he was all he was always very interested in studying the brain. So it's translated directly to this CD. And you know what? This CD is, uh, I feel that it's going to be difficult to talk about because already I'm having trouble approaching it because this CD, even, you know, the liner notes discuss like what we're dealing with is, is feelings and the ineffable, ineffable. Um, and so especially after we finished an intense listening session with a candle and, and, you know, sitting here for 70 minutes experiencing it afterwards, I did find it difficult to speak again. Like there, it is something that you feel like you've been through an experience and it, and it feels strange to talk about in some manner. I totally agree. And I think even this type of, these types of sounds are, tough to really put into words now it didn't stop me from completely covering my note sheet here as i'm oh, looking i wrote at more it. notes for this than i've written for <laughs> most things i'll but, tell you that i but will tell it, you that it's it's a really now, now i think also what's interesting about this album is according to the credits this is recorded over the span of 1992 to 1996 so this to me seems that it is an assembled album now some of some other albums feel more like maybe they were in done in one session or at least one sort of certain zone that they were yeah. in. But this goes multiple different places and actually reminds me of some of the, some of the tape stuff from earlier before, but we started off with this just ringing drone entrance and the door just opens for the experience for the next 70 minutes. Yeah. And should we, we share the concept Absolutely, Tara. Our world is dominated by the left hemisphere of the brain. Due to intensive support of the left side of the brain over the last millenniums, the human mind has progressed its ability to communicate verbally, to think logically and in a practical way, to behave in a linear and systematic way. This was the basic advantage which became, as a cynic would say, the crown of the creation of the human race. The right hemisphere of our brains, which is possessing in a non-reducing holistic way, is responsible for nonverbal spatial thinking, for visualization, intuition, and emotions, and for music and atmospheric perception and cognition. The abilities of our right hemisphere have been heavily suppressed in the past millenniums by the dominance of the left hemisphere of the brain. Science proves that the human brain works on the best level when both hemispheres are stimulated with the same intensity. 
So at the bottom of the CD, it says we support the theory that it is necessary to stimulate and challenge the right hemisphere in order to get back to a state of equal activity of the two sides of the brain. The activity of the right brain can be increased through exercises and stimulation. Listen, feel and realize. So that sets the tone for where we're going to go in this album. That was first minute of this album. You have that. You have the notes. And here you are. No pressure. <laughs> no <laughs> pressure. I actually, it's hard to feel pressure during maybe the first four minutes of this album. It's got this yeah. really soothing, subliminal drone feeling, and it's got uh, it feels a little Eastern in tonality. The the droning going here, closer to like a sitar or something. You know, you're getting sort of more of those overtones, and it, it's. Very relaxing and very easy to lull you into this record. It's a great uh, sort of leading by the hand into what you're going to experience throughout the next 70 minutes. Right. And I guess it would be important to note at this point that Meyer Tree is prominently guitar based. So kind of back to a couple episodes ago with Mason Jones, who did who does primary primarily guitar based sound mm -hmm. as does my or tree and so yeah you are this there's strings throughout yes their entire work and especially this album but there's something so emotional about strings i mean you know automatically that slow string you get this kind of internal melancholy zone and then uh Ooh. Boy, boy, do you get something else that happens. Like all the neurons start pounding and firing and chaos and heaviness just begin to grow. And I think it's a great thing to do to just go ahead and immediately turn the volume up right when you hit play. Because when it kicks in, it is yeah. just perfect. Around about three minutes and 50 seconds in, everything changes. Yeah, it that that chunky phased rhythm comes in and and just the the drone kind of swells in behind it, but it really it takes over takes over your path. It's the uh, maybe the last firing of the neurons, like the title suggests. Yeah, you guys know after you die, your brain stays alive longer than your body. It can be alive for like ten more minutes. Your neurons are firing and sending off electrical impulses. Do you think that's what you're hearing? I I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking about when this track was happening. Is that like lolling off into sleep or death and then everything starts pounding and that's your brain going into a panic and realizing that the body is gone and then you're just a brain that's existing in a head. And like I love the theories around that where you are existing in a, a timeless space um, that could feel like an eternity as your last neurons are firing. And that's why I don't want my brain to blow up when I die. Right. And actually it would almost make sense in a way because it'd be around nine or 10 minutes once that hits, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe even just the entire 12 minutes of this track. That, those are those last 10 or so minutes of after death. And yeah, I mean, the the noise on this just gets in an in in increasingly grows. Mm -hmm. It does. It it really keeps going, and and even around seven minutes, it really feels to kick into to high gear. You get this like heavy drone and fluttering that that sort of comes in with it. And yeah, maybe maybe the first four minutes is uh, drifting off to death, and and the last eight of this are those neurons firing and. I had this up pretty loud because the intro is fairly quiet and mellow. Mm -hmm. And when that came in, it was like, all right, I'm, I'm in for the ride. Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. But at that, right at that seven minute mark, when it just starts getting heavier and heavier and just building and building. And it's so, oh, it's, it's weighty. It's, yeah, it's weighty. So I like that. Ineffable, it's weighty. You know what I mean? It really is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's as they say, it's a mood. And then we get it. We get a rug pull ending on this one. Mm -hmm. 
We get the rug just pulled out from under us. It'll happen a Brain. few times on this record. I feel yes, like it, the ends yes, of the it, track will will morph. Yes, it will. And I felt that the next track was incredibly visual, like especially the next two tracks really just like stimulated my, you know, internal visual imagination. The and again, things after that heavy noise overload, things get pulled away again. And we're kind of back to the palette that we were at the beginning. But then again, we get the noise interruption. Yeah, I was only thinking of like diving under a big ocean, like in, into water. And then you find like an underwater civilization um, at the bottom of the ocean or whatever body of water it's in. And it's just laying hidden under there and you're kind of floating in the current and looking at this submerged civilization. One of the first times I ever wrote down one of my dreams after waking was in the back of a book. I drew like a diagram of what had happened in the dream and uh, some of the things I encountered in the dream. And it was underwater, sort of an Atlantean civilization or ruins. And this definitely gives that vibe. This track is strange because it's, well, uh, my first words here are, actual guitar ambient like this really yeah it's this is perfect guitar ambient that's it's done so nicely and the bass sort of starts growing underneath and and it's it's distorted but the mixture of clean and and distorted sound is really nicely done there's such a delicate balance there where the distortion doesn't overtake and just it's it fit together perfectly. The the riff that there's there's two sections of real of real distinct riffs, and they have this great tension and release circular element to them, and it just you can just rise and fall with it, and rise and fall with it, and again, this is just a great one to have super loud. And it just really takes over the room. It really takes over your internal visions. It's it's such an incredible track. In an interview we read with um, Stefan and Martin, they were asked about their belief in archaic pre-sources of sound and our own psyche. And Stefan said, yes, I believe it exists and music can touch it. We can't define it. Words will fail to describe it as the are, these are completely pre-verbal areas of the mind. I personally believe there's an undestroyable, untouched core in every human being, and it can be reached through music. Hell so yeah. this is just like pulling us right down to our most core essence um, and, you know, evoking different feelings, thoughts, visions, experiences. It's also has uh I wouldn't describe it as a rug pull ending but it fades to this sort of moaning groaning ambient for the last minute and again sort of easing you out of the track I like these transitions and these soft intros building in the middle and and soothing you out again um sort of a takeoff and landing uh in, yeah. in a comfortable mm-hmm. way yeah and and I, I really enjoy this album, especially having re- listened to so much of their output in the past couple months. There's some of the albums really have a, something like a beauty of sadness. It's really ma- very much at the beginning of these two tracks for the duration of an album. They don't, the noisiness is minimal at best, but where this really incorporates a, a noisy... Yeah. In, in an, an industrial palette that we see later on in in the in the album, and I really like the mix of all their zones. And like we talked about on the seven inch episode we did, you know, you really got to see a lot of sides of the project. This CD, you get to see a lot of sides of the project in an extended form where you can just walk around in all the different 
areas that they provide for us. Well, and I, you know, just a little list of things that happen on the right side of the brain. That would be feelings, visualization, imagination, intuition, um, arts, creativity, but also rhythm. Um, so I think it's very fitting that they incorporate, um, rhythm into rhythmic elements into tracks on this because even you know things we hear you can listen to a fire and it's rhythm rhythmic you can listen to water and it can be rhythmic rain can be rhythmic so truly it you know it does speak to very primal elements within us when we get to entrance of reality this piece is very tangerine dream to me. It's captures on sort of that uh, birth of liquid Pleiades. You know, we, we talked about Zeit, that nebulous dawn. Um, to me, this was the fire of forgotten speech. And Tara, you said uh, sort of feeling nonverbal when you finish this album. And I think here is where that, that really hit me, but this one uh, it picks up and gets noisy in the middle, but for a short duration. And that was sort of, to me, the, the chaos when crossing the chaos of crossing a threshold. Well, this one entrance of reality, this is where I went underwater, Tara. Oh, and me too. the noise to me. So to me, there is this liquid element to this track and but there's something trying to come to the surface, threatening to come to the surface. And like you said, there is this noise section, but it doesn't break like it does in the tracks before it. It's trying to come to the surface. It almost gets there. It gets right up to the surface, but it never fully comes through. And I think it's really powerful, especially after those two tracks. So it gives you something different. Where it, it never fully breaks. It's like when you smell something and you can't quite place what it is or you're yeah. thinking of a, something specific and you know you know it, but you can't quite pull it out of your mind. Um, I, I just wrote that this is just heavily, heavily ephemeral. And these are sounds that, you know, can't be nailed down. It's like a, a very watery reality. It's the sound of our intuition. It's like you dive down into the underwater city and there's ghosts under there and they all communicate telepathically maybe under the surface is where reality is you know it's a good time to like even think about like what intuition is like what is intuition right yeah i mentioned in the last piece writing down that dream and this album it took me back there again and this track we talk about being underwater, the one of the main things in that dream, and, and I know this because I'd seen the, you know, I've seen the drawing in the back of this book for uh, a long time now, is uh there was sort of a bone archway in it that I was trying to swim through. And so the, crossing a gate in that you know, crossing a threshold in that mm -hmm. environment ties into this as well. And yeah, like I said, it, it reminded me of the tangerine dream stuff in the early tangerine dream stuff in a way, but uh, while being obviously different, this captures that, like I said, liquid Pleiades, nebulous dawn, those those mm -hmm. concepts uh, resonate with this too and with entrance of reality. And it's, uh, you know, really nice swirling keyboard ambient, it sounds like at a point. But then there is a small rhythm that sort of creeps in at the end as well. And I like what you were saying, Tara, about rhythms you know, listening to a fire, listening to the rain can be rhythmic because yeah, when we talk about rhythm, you know, oftentimes I'm referring to uh, a drum machine or something that's more distinctly transient sounds, rhythmic transient sounds, but you can get a rhythm out of a synth modulation, out of playing a guitar riff, out of, uh, you know, something as simple as a, a tremolo or a, a flanger or something can induce a rhythmic element. So there are these little small elements of these things that are sort of shimmering and, and feel rhythmic. This, this track has that at the end and it's very nice. Thinking about like why we have rhythm and other things don't seem to possess it. Like dogs don't seem to notice that music's playing, like they can hear the sound and we've all, you know, put something on for a pet or an animal to like, in theory, keep them company. But 
birds actually, um, especially parrots, will recognize rhythm. I think everybody's seen videos of parrots dancing. Um, but the, the current thought is that they can recognize rhythm because they rely on vocal cadences and vocalizations to communicate in their own way. And so they need that pattern of, you know, speech whenever they are making their own calls. So they have a concept of rhythm. And so they are, are the only other animal. It's still being studied whether or not elephants have rhythm or if they are just mimicking, uh, you know, a, a, a pattern that we've set for them. But birds can actually recognize music. And there really is rhythm in a lot of these, whether or not it's initially obvious or not. I do, I do think at some point, especially on the final piece, I do think there might be a little bit of drum machine. I don't know if that's the case or not, or again, or maybe it's just my ears playing tricks on me, but certainly at this point, it feels like that rhythm is being made through tones, through the actual playing. Very organic. Exactly. Yeah. And then we come to Onus, my favorite piece on this record. And it's got these sort of distant explosions happening around you and the most tonally shoegaze guitars that we find on the record. And damn it, I love it. It's it's recontextualized from, you know, the, a normal, a sort of normal song structure, but a really great swelling melody when we did our... Patreon episode, we talked about the backmasked voices in Maro Tree, and that is evident here. Actually, the first time I've sort of noticed that there have been little snippets of voice maybe that have crept through in some of these pieces, but here you definitely have some backwards vocals. This one, at almost seven minutes, does all the things I want it to. This now has the most industrial tape palette of the album up to this point. And it did remind me of the ultimate timetape, which is also on old Europa. And it really does feel like an old industrial tape at this point. And that circular pattern under the dust. I mean, this is such an incredible track. Uh, and so onus uh, is Latin. Uh, for burden, load, cargo, so similar to the way we use Onus um, currently. Uh, but for me, this was like being floated through a cloud tunnel, like ghostly walls of the beyond. You have limited awareness of what's going on around you. And so I was thinking that what is what is the Onus that would be the body? I love that. In an interview with Stefan, the interviewer asks, why do people listen to experimental music? And he answers this. In order to find something other music can't provide. For me, it's a kind of pure sound without vocals, often even without rhythm and melodies. It goes deeper into yourself, at the end into unconscious areas. Mainstream music normally only touches the surface. With experimental music, you're looking for a special experience, for something that can be challenging or that can put you into a dream state. It's always something more sensual, emotional, important. And I like the thought behind, well, that it does what other music Yes. Can't do something that we've discussed a lot here. I'm paraphrasing a quote from a friend of the podcast, but <laughs> I really like that sentiment. And I think they're getting to that with this whole album. And how true is that? That it, it's something that has a, it's emotional and of a personal importance. Like, Gray, like when you were talking about your dream, I'm sure. Like when you woke up, it felt like something had changed you or something had happened and you needed to document and write it down. And when you tell other people, you're like, no, you don't understand. It felt <laughs> like I was there. It felt like it was days on end, like it was so real. And it's just such such a personal thing that you just you just know when it's happening that no one else can understand what you've gone through. And truly, how often does that happen with music? Well, and that dream actually did 
change me because for a good period after that, I was studying uh, dream remembering and lucid dreaming and trying to be more active in my dreams. So I would do uh, reverse remembering before I went to bed. I would try to remember mm-hmm. in reverse everything I did throughout the day in great detail. And in the mornings, I would try to recount my dreams and keep a dream journal. And it's an enlightening thing to try and keep track of that stuff. And I still sort of will wake up and, and tell my girlfriend my dreams or something like that. I don't keep mm-hmm. track of it anymore, but I did for a period. And it's uh, a very interesting thing because I think that, uh, w- you know, the times when we're at rest, our brains are working on things in different ways and problem solving. And, you know, this is, there's, a, of course, the saying like, oh, sleep on it. You know, if you're having an issue with something or can't figure something out, sleep on it and maybe the answer will come to you because answers come in dreams. You can, you can let your brain kind of untangle the knots of the day and the normal way you process things and let them sort themselves out and, and slither out and, and become loose and pliable where perhaps they were rigid and tangled before. And I still very firmly believe that. So a lot of times there's great clarity when waking and kind of realizing how your dream related to things you're going through in your life. And, and how often has someone experienced a dream in such a way that you feel like you are connecting with a different consciousness? And is that different consciousness a higher consciousness? Is it something within yourself that you can't connect to when you're awake? What is that thing that you're touching? Because certainly it can affect you in an ineffable way, in a way that is so singular and so cannot be understood by another person because it it evoked your emotions and... I think, you know, that's what this is doing is it's evoking our emotions. And that's why we're going through all these visual and personal places with it. The final piece, origo, origin. Latin for origin. Is 33 minutes. And it really utilizes all that 33 minutes and takes you to many different places, many different divergent paths happen throughout this track. To me, it opened with the waves of the brain washing in and out. And these is this is the origin, and this is where it begins. I, I really fell into sort of a swirling underground maelstrom on this one. There's voices and wind and all these weird swells. Uh, everything has some layer of delay or reverb over it giving a big sense of space and it's not overly bassy or dominant it's sort of mid-range with these weird bass appearances and subtle melodies almost arriving from the chasm the the swirling chasm that you're presented with uh and those melodies lure you further underground further into the the chaos the developments come slowly but they continue throughout the whole piece. There's constantly things appearing, constantly things disappearing. You know, sometimes when I write my notes, I I write down the time something occurs at and circle it and developing slowly. I didn't make a note on sort of a change in the sound. Not that there weren't changes, but an actual sort of market change until 17 minutes in, which is halfway through this piece uh, when kind of a faint rhythm grows and there's these animistic calls happening um which is shortly before i'll say the piece sort of becomes cluttered and cumbersome i was reminded of sort of object fixation during a psychoactive experience um where you have a safety net that you need to have with you but after a while it becomes unbearable to continue to engage with that safety net I also marked down the 17 minute point as well. And it's because by this point you've had all these movements and layers and it is continual growing, but around 17 minutes, things get pulled away and open up the space opens up again. But then just like you said, gray, the final area of overwhelmingness starts to take shape a little bit after that opening. Oh yeah, the chaos. This oh, was this amazing. was my favorite track. It's of course amazing. the 30 
four minute track is my favorite track. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just kept thinking of experiences where you, you know, when you're at a show and everybody is actually watching it and you kind of all feel like you have a similar understanding of like, oh, this is a really cool show. And you kind of look at each other knowingly and everybody's and you think at that time, like, ah, we're all thinking the same thing. You know, it, it feels like this kind of unity that that's undescribable. And I, I got that feeling when we were listening to this track. And I thought the same way when I'm looking at the candle and Mike's looking at the candle and they seem to be in sync and we're like, oh, it's the language of flames and sound. And it seems to be, you know, actually coming together in that way. Um, and that's when it was just like, this is such a an instinctual track. You know, it does... It goes to the place that if you're thinking, oh, it'd feel good if they did this, it, they do that. Uh, and I and I just really uh, in, enjoyed that part. It makes you feel like you have like, a, you know, a premonition of, of what's going to happen. Um, and it's just like rumbling, dancing fire that's somehow muffled. Um, it's great. You know, it's funny the way you describe that made me think about the feeling I think we all got during the skin crime set from a little bit back here in LA, that feeling of all that there was that point where you just felt everyone was dead focused. It's like synchronous. And, but also skin crime does Mm -hmm. a lot of similar things that this CD does. The, the tension of the release, the, all of a sudden you're in a completely new area that you, as a listener, you're like, wait, how did we get here? I don't even I don't recall how we got to this point, but I know we're here and we all went here together. And I think that's just what is so powerful about about this album. And it and it truly made me like, you know, write fervently, certainly. Um, but I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, we do seek extreme situations um, like specifically Gray Mike Tara. Um, we seek extreme music. Absolutely. We seek extreme situations and like what are we exploring? Like are we we are we looking for the essence of chaos? Are we looking to like incite fear in ourselves and explore the fear that we feel? Or are we looking to experience like the unity like you would at skin crime where it just feels like everybody's on the same page? It's like, you know, we're we're just drawn to these extreme sounds and situations. And I think it is exploring all of these um, let's say right brain feelings, uh, that, that we would be having. I've done some, uh, very unwise things in my life in order to put myself in extreme situations because I enjoyed (laughs) that. And I think, uh, I think this music provides a similar experience safe in the confines of your own home. And I think, you know, doing, sort of lucid dreaming and other things can also give you similar results to that. Well, Stefan said in an interview, he said, we rather think music is not there to escape reality, but to stand it. And I like that a lot. We're not, it's not about escaping. It's about dealing with reality. Yeah. It's about (laughs) facing reality, standing reality. And I really like that finding things to hang on to that make reality bearable. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no need to escape. There's no point in that, but to embrace it and stand it and have these experiences, whether or not it's through an album, it's, it just adds to the experience of reality. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the extremes we seek, it's not, it, it's because the ultimate sadness for me would be feeling nothing to have no interest, to feel nothing, to be interested by nothing, to, to, you know, just alive, but dead inside. And that is the fear. And so going through things like this, finding different ways to experience reality, confront it, live within your own head, finding out what it is to be human, confronting your own mistakes and dealing with them in your own way. Like, isn't that all part of it? 
I mean, this is what's part of it to me. Having someone recommend a project that I knew the name. Yeah. I was semi aware of this project, but it wasn't something that was fully in our brains. And just to completely dive into the world. And that's that's everything to me. And I can't I can't wait for the next project that someone recommends that I kind of knew but didn't totally know and I just go nuts on that and then the next one and the next one and the next one I mean you're just you, propelled to do it you're yeah. compelled to like see more and hear more because it's so exciting and you're like oh this is a great way to think about something that I haven't thought of like how fun is it just like when we talk about pronunciation like when somebody says something and it's totally not the way you've been thinking about it the entire time like like Petrus and Petrus like blew my mind right right but, you know that's like on the smallest scale possible but still like if somebody just has a different take on thinking and reality that you never realized it's just so invigorating invigorating would be absolutely a word i would use to describe this album language of flames and sound wow wow yeah. wow wow well obviously if you haven't been paying close attention for the past hour. <laughs> I think you know how we feel about this album. Great, great it, project. Great album. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we cover more of their work in the future or maybe well, a Troom record or something, something else along the lines. For sure. And as Gray noted over on the Patreon seven inch years, we've been covering multiple drone releases. I'm sure eventually we'll, end up getting to mm -hmm. all of them but that, those all those releases have been really rewarding listening and obviously also we just have to hugely thank the listener who recommended this CD because as you can tell we liked it sent us into a, a zone Gray have you ever listened to anything by Helga like Helga Moon no, I've never checked out any of his solo work. Obviously, the, the third member of this who did not go on to do Troom, whereas Stefan and Martin Gitschel are the, the members of Troom, who continued on from Ameritree. Uh, I'm not familiar with any of his stuff, nor have I heard the Screaming Corpses material that uh, was the band before this, which I guess had a couple extra members in it. Well, we so have yeah, something else to check out, hey, I guess. Hey, look, looks like we got some, some digging to do. Got so. a to-do list. Happy to add it. Yeah, you know how I like list. a to-do list. Yes. You <laughs> you love, you love a to-do list, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> every day. I make one every yeah. day. Hey, that's great. That's uh it's <laughs> very left-brained of you, systematic thought. Oh my lord. <laughs> it's I just to it. keep well, my right brain in check. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, this was a great listen. Go grab this brain shape CD and see where it takes your brain. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.